This is Father Kevin Hale with the homily for the 17th Sunday of the year, the 29th of July. Now something I believe we've all been doing a great deal of over the last few weeks is eating outdoors, which is rare given our weird climate, um, but I say long may it continue. St John in the Gospel today describes another great outdoor event, an event that shows the huge generosity of God towards his people, and it's found at the start of the sixth chapter of St John's Gospel. And it's heard every third summer of the liturgical year. I could invite you during these more restful days of summer to read through the whole of this sixth chapter of St John, maybe read it with your family or in private or a spiritual reading, because it's in St John's account of the miracle of the loaves and the fish that we get his account of the Eucharist. And it's a good way to understand the Mass and Holy Communion, which are, after all, the central facts of Catholic life. So the Church invites us over these quieter days of summer to sit back and meditate on St John chapter 6, and that's what I'm going to try and do over these five Sundays. The whole episode begins with people flocking around Jesus because he was magnetic and they wanted to be near him. We say in the liturgy, from age to age you gather a people to yourself so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a perfect offering may be made to your name. The gathering of us at Mass is a function of this ongoing attractiveness of Jesus, undiminished down through the ages to the present day. Just think of that as we gather for Mass and maybe watch the other people as they come in instead of maybe doing what we normally do before Mass, Watch people from all walks of life, from the young to the old, from the different social and economic strata, because that's a symbol of the coming together of the new Israel, the coming together of the kingdom. And as you yourself come into church and walk down the aisle, taking your place as part of this gathering, we make a genuflection. Genuflection literally means bending the knee. And we try and take care in doing it, provided we're able, of course, going down all the way to the ground on our right knee towards the tabernacle. And by the genuflection, we are saying three things, that I believe you, Jesus, are really and truly present here in the tabernacle. That I humble myself before you by going down on my knee. And thirdly, that I offer you my service, the service of my heart, of my love, of my life, for you to do whatever you please with it. Now, once everyone's ready, it's time for the procession and everyone stands. Now, we don't just stand because we want to honour the people coming in or we want to honour the priest who is in the person of Christ. We stand because this procession isn't a parade, but this procession is a pilgrimage. And as the priest and the servers walk down the aisle and they get towards the altar, we stand because that's a sign that we're part of that pilgrimage as well. You know, many people do come to Mass and don't expect anything to happen. They don't expect to go anywhere. They don't expect themselves to be changed. The reason why we stand for this procession is that we actually know that we're going somewhere and we have a destination. We're doing something important. And if we enter into it, it will change us. So we stand because we're part of this pilgrimage. We're part of this Mass. And as the procession advances, the priest approaches the altar and genuflects to Jesus in the tabernacle. He goes up to the altar, he reverences it, 
he kisses it. And he does this for two reasons. One, because the altar is the symbol of Christ. But the other is because that in every Catholic altar, there is embedded a relic of a saint. Now, this is historical. It goes back to the early church when Christians had to celebrate Mass in secret. They often celebrated Mass in the catacombs. And the first altars were tombs of martyrs who'd given their lives to Christ. And as he reverences the altar, not only is he honouring the life of that saint, but as we read in the letters of the Hebrews, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So the priest is indicating to us and reminding himself that every angel and every saint that ever was made or ever lived is present when we worship Christ at that altar. Now the Mass begins with rites and prayers that are intended to draw us together and to draw us to God. So when the priest prays the sign of the cross, he's drawing us all into the life of the Trinity. We all make that sign of the cross, something we've done instinctively for years. But remember, whatever we do always means something. Even the way we hold our hands means something. Now in the West we hold our hand open. This is because the open hand is a sign of blessing. It's a symbol of blessing. So we, in a sense, bless ourselves. When we make the sign of the cross, we're reminding ourselves that God is a trinity. So we make the sign of the cross, reminding us of this key belief of the Christian faith. But even more, when we trace the cross upon ourselves, what we are tracing is our own worth. It's our price tag. Now, you could ask the question, how much am I worth? Well, the sign of the cross is our price tag. It's how much we're worth because we're worth an infinite sum. And as often as you find yourself not knowing the meaning of life or not knowing if your life has a purpose, you can make the sign of the cross and it reminds you that you're here for a reason. You're here to know God, love him and serve him in this life so as to be with him forever in the next. And that's all wrapped up in the sign of the cross. After the sign of the cross, we enter into the words of the greeting. The greeting is that normal everyday language, how are you? But at Mass, what's actually happening is the priest is saying words that are from Scripture. In the Bible, whenever a prophet or an angel or Jesus himself was calling someone to do something dangerous or something greater than they had the strength to do on their own, that prophet or that angel or the Lord would say, the Lord be with you. At four parts in every Mass, when we enter into an ever increasingly dangerous or holier territory, the priest tells us, the Lord be with you, because he's indicating that what we're about to do is huge, it's monumental and it's bigger than us. And if it was just up to us, we wouldn't be able to handle it, so we need the Lord to be with us. The next part is the Kyrie. Kyrie comes from the Greek language, it means Lord, and we pray Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison. Now, when we come to Mass, many times we come to Mass with a mask on, but the truth of the matter is that things are not always good in our lives, we're not always great, sometimes our lives are a bit of a mess, and the Church knows this, and the Church invites us at the very beginning of Mass to drop the mask and stop pretending. So we have the Kyrie. We all acknowledge life is not pretty, that life isn't always great, and it can sometimes feel like a mess. 
So as we stand next to each other in front of the Lord, we say, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. We drop the mask, knowing that we come before God in our brokenness. But if we're not willing to humble ourselves and to let him have mercy on us, then we can't really worship him properly. The next part is the Gloria. And this comes after we've acknowledged our sins, that we've experienced the mercy of God so that we can sing his glory. And that hymn Gloria is us joining the angels and the saints in heaven. And what we do when we say or sing this hymn is to praise God. That's a great opportunity to realise that the Mass and this hymn specifically is not about you, it's not about me. This song is about giving God glory. It's a song that orientates our hearts and our attention from ourselves and onto the one that we're about to worship in the Mass. The transition from the Lord being with you to give you strength, the Kyrie, give me mercy and the Gloria, now giving God the glory he deserves, prepares us to hear and receive his word in the readings, which we'll look at next week. Well, the Jews went home after that picnic and they were hungry again. In the Eucharist, however, all our spiritual hunger is satisfied and our desire for heaven is increased. We've been given what they were not and we can never meditate on it often enough for the benefit that it brings. If we can try to live the Mass in a manner full of amazement, then we will find our participation arises spontaneously from our faith in the Eucharist. It's the amazement that the Blessed Mother felt when she received Christ in her womb and the amazement she felt when she knelt at the feet of the Apostles to receive the same Jesus that is given to us. Let us pray. O God, protector of those who hope in you, without whom nothing has firm foundation, nothing is holy, bestow in abundance your mercy upon us and grant that with you as our ruler and guide we may use the good things that pass in such a way as to hold fast even now to those that endure. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.